Welcome to the Smart Wills podcast series. In this series, we'll review important financial tasks to cover during this extraordinary period of uncertainty, such as who needs a will and why, understanding the difference between estate planning and probate planning, and looking at estate administration tax and more. Hi, I'm your host, Stephanie Bacciolino, the founder of BizAngle Media, which helps businesses and people tell their story via videos, podcasts, and content with a journalist's eye. Using my skills honed at Bloomberg News, the Globe and Mail, AP, and AFP, I help connect the dots to bring the full picture into view. And what a view we are all having right now with this unexpected global pandemic. It has touched every aspect of our lives, from the way we work to how we shop for groceries at stores. It's a time when we are seeking ways to take stock of our lives and to prepare for further uncertainty. At this moment, it's more important than ever to plan for yourself and your business, including making a will or updating one. Here with me to explore this is Peter Welsh, a top-level business lawyer with a depth of experience that stretches 40 years in corporate and commercial law. He's worked with some of Canada's largest financial institutions, such as RBC and Cadillac Fairview, as well as other publicly traded firms. He's also seasoned and passionate about assisting small to mid-sized companies, as well as entrepreneurs and individuals. Peter offers the Smart Will services to ease the planning process for businesses and individuals, helping them protect the money they've worked so hard to earn. The name builds on the goal-setting SMART approach that stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Timely Goals. Well, there's no better time to delve into this. So let's get Peter's insights. Welcome, Peter. Well, nice to meet you, Stephanie, and thank you for having me today. What are some of the major surprises that pop up in the will and estate planning process that relate to real estate? Is there something that we all sort of take for granted, Peter? Well, the first one that we see all too frequently is the answer to the question, who owns the house? Well, my husband and I own the house. Well, that may be true, but one of the things that happens is that there are two ways that ownership by husband and wife can occur on the house. And that is is critical in terms of will preparation and, for that matter, succession duties and taxes. So tell me a little bit more about that. What happens when somebody dies? What are they looking at in the will regarding real estate? First off, let's take the husband and wife owning the family home. There are two ways that the house may have been registered at the time that they bought it. And that is critical. Well, the two terms are uh, joint tenancy and tenants in common. They're quite similar because they both have the word tenant in it, but they are significantly different. First, joint tenancy is a style of ownership which allows the survivor to obtain 100% of the asset following the death of the first to die in the case of two persons. So if husband dies, wife owns it 100% automatically, no court process, no taxes, automatically goes to the wife. Secondly, in the case of tenancy in common, where again, husband and wife own an asset, each owns 50% of the asset. If the husband dies, his interest goes to his heirs. That could be his children, 
It could go to for, uh, foreign entities. It could go anywhere else, but not to the wife. And similarly, if the wife dies first, her interest goes to whomever might be one of her beneficiaries. So the first question we ask, how is the title to the house? Joint tenancy or tenancy in common? Tenants in common is the customary way that people that are not husband and wife buy a piece of property uh, that they jointly own. So is it easy to see if your your house or your property is either joint tenancy or tenancy in common? It takes all of about 30 minutes by way of a title search. Title search is about $50 or $60. And the answer will be right on the title. And it seems really foolish not to check that. Certainly for the purposes of preparing a will, you have to know whether the house is tenancy in common or joint tenancy. You can convert both a tenancy in common to joint tenancy and vice versa for about $75. Why not do it? That sounds like a very reasonable thing. Can you take us through the scenario whereby you have a tenancy in common, somebody is unaware of it, and probate fees kick in? How does it play out? In the scenario of the husband and wife who have the house in tenancy in common, I'll use the gentleman dying first, the wife will survive. In order for her to deal with interest in the house, she must make application to the Superior Court uh, of Justice in Ontario and pay the probate fees on the value of that house. Incidentally, it's not just the value of the house upon which you have to pay probate fees, but also the value of all other assets that the man has, even if it's a bank account that did not need to have any probate to transfer. So you add up not only the 50% value of the house, but you have to add into that probate application all of those other assets. The probate fees in Ontario are approximately $15 for every $1,000 over $50,000. A $600,000 house means you've automatically got $300,000 that you're going to pay probate fees on. That $15 per thousand has to be paid up front at the time you make the application for probate. And probate usually takes anywhere from 90 to 180 days. You have to pay that money up front from someplace. So that is a waste of time and money, a lot of money, when if it had been transferred from tenants in common to joint tenancy, nothing would have been payable and no probate would have been required. I had uh, the instance of the 80-year-old, and in her particular case, she ended up selling her house for about $2.7 million. So $1,350,000 of that selling price attracted probate fees at $15 per thousand. That's about $18,000 in probate fees just wasted for no reason. So the two key takeaways uh, are she shouldn't have had to pay anything upon her husband's death. Most of us do have some quick access to cash to pay the fees, but if they're, you know, 18 or 20 or $50,000, and that's not unusual, the money is tied up and you can't get it out of the bank account 
if it's in the husband's name anyway. You must be, be careful on the issue of joint tenancy and tenancy in common. Well, it sounds like that's a huge burden. What you were saying is that they can take a look and search to see if it is joint tenancy or tenancy in common for under a hundred bucks and even revise it for under a hundred bucks instead of paying these thousands of dollars in fees after the fact. So it seems little preparation before saves so much in the end for your loved ones. Well, again, we emphasize the issue of estate planning and probate planning. This that we're talking about is part of the probate planning. The estate planning was simple. The husband wanted the house to go to his wife. The probate planning wasn't done properly at the time they took the title. And that's really kind of unfortunate because it ended up costing the widow not only a lot of money, but a whole lot of grief. We strongly recommend be very careful about this issue of joint tenancy and tenancy in common. I'm sure this is going to prompt a lot of people to go and check their their house and how it is defined or to ask to somebody to search for it and to find out how it's defined. Because it seems like something very easy to resolve, something that could be a huge burden in the future. So I'm curious about probate and what that process is like. The word probate is actually not used in Ontario any longer. The actual process is called an application for the appointment of an estate trustee, either with a will or without a will. And of course, if lawyers could possibly take one word and make it multiple words, that's what we do. So the process is an actual application by a person, usually the named person in a will, but if there is no will, then the closest next of kin, frequently the spouse or brothers or sisters, to make a court application. It's a rather complicated process, and there are several documents that have to be prepared, literally with the correct font, pagination, and spacing, and everything must be filled in exactly as is required before the estate registrar will accept the document along with a probate fee that has to be paid up front. Then you simply wait for a while until the judge finally gets around to your application, sometimes with a response requesting further information. But then eventually a court order is eventually issued. That is what we used to refer to as a probate order. Now it's called the Certificate of Appointment of a State Trustee. That document authorizes the estate trustee, the executor, as we used to call the person, to handle the affairs of the deceased person. I might offer to you that legally, the appointment of the estate trustee or executor arises from the will. But the reason for probate is that a person can rely upon the court order as a defense to a claim that the person, a bank particularly, has given the assets of the deceased to the wrong person. Upon receipt of the certificate of appointment of a state trustee, the bank can be assured that the right person is administering the estate. Now, lastly, the timing. In some jurisdictions, and it's dependent upon where you are in Ontario, probate can be obtained in a matter of a week or 10 days or two weeks, almost anywhere in the GTA that can be anywhere from 90 to 120 or 180 days even. 
So you sit around and you wait for quite a period of time. The question is, what do you do in that time period about things that have to be done? Well, you sometimes have to use to convince some people to either issue the proceeds of the insurance policy, but can convince banks to at least allow access to the bank account of the deceased to cover testamentary expenses, uh, not the probate fees. So that's why you need probate and the process for it. I have somebody help you. It's a very, very complicated, finicky process. And I might tell you that it can be very expensive if it's not done correctly. Thank you, Peter, for this great and instructive advice in these uncertain times. Tell us how people can reach you and how you'd like to help them prepare for the unexpected. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, We can be reached at smartwills.ca and my email address is peter at smartwills.ca. It's Peter Welsh. And I can be reached at my phone as well at 905-337-3121. And right now we're offering a free 30-minute session with me, either by telephone or personal attendance, uh, to review your existing wills or discuss any potential wills and powers of attorney that you might wish us to help you with. Thanks again, Peter. And thank you to our listeners. Check out the rest of the Smart Wills podcast series available at smartwills.ca.